Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 50. I'm your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Episode 50! Cutting it out. <laughs> Wait, for real? <laughs> no, probably not, because that takes effort. That does but take I, effort. I wasn't going to do the joke in this one, and then you bit and did the joke, so now you're the uncool one for once. Oh, yeah, well, look. This episode's bad. This is going to be a bad episode, because it's a bad episode of Star Trek. Because I don't want... think it's a bad episode of Star Trek. I just okay, I just true. don't care anymore. Anyway, that's let's true. just talk about it. We're going to get into Discovery. This is going to be a short episode, probably. This episode is called Through the Valley of Shadows. It is the 12th episode of Season 2 of Discovery. It aired the 4th of April, 2019. It was written by Bon Young Kim and Erica Lippolt. It was directed by Doug Amioski. I always forget how to say this. Uh... It takes place in both the year 2257 and the year 2266. Hmm, what could that possibly mean? What could that uh, possibly mean? <laughs> Jackson, what happens in this episode? Uh, in this episode, I'm going to do a very, very quick summary. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much stuff, but there are two main plots. The first plot is uh, Burnham and Spock go to investigate a Section 31 ship that missed its check-in uh, by 10 minutes. And Burnham goes, this is an irregularity that Section 31 would never have. This must mean something. This is our only lead on control. We have to go and find out what it is. And at no point does she go, this is obviously a trap. Well, it's obviously a trap. So she goes, uh, she finds um, a survivor on the ship. Because uh, it, it's ejected everyone into space. Because that's actually what happened. The control's taken over. Uh, and then a survivor who is in an EVA suit, who is uh, Cameron from the first episodes of the show, the one, the one who got ejected into space and died in the first episode, uh, well, the second episode uh, of the first season, uh, and also the one that she killed the Mirror Universe version of in a big poignant moment last season, but apparently he's fine and joined Second 31. Um and he's like, oh, no, we, we've got to go back. Control's taken over the ship. Control's taken over Section 31. We've got to do this. Uh, and Burnham and Spock, for some reason, believe him, even though obviously he is Control, and the actual trap is trying to get Burnham here because uh, Control is afraid of Burnham and wants to like make sure that Burnham can't uh, fuck up Control's plans. And there's a big fight. Burnham and Spock stop Control. And that's the whole episode. They, they stop Control. Control does not take out Burnham. They go, maybe there is a chance. That's it. That's the whole of that plot. Uh, the other plot is on Boreth, uh, which, if you remember, is where uh, Ash and Laurel uh, left their child. Uh, Boreth being the uh, place where the like monastery of Kalesh is, and they, they guard the time crystals. Uh, there's a signal above it, one of the signals, uh, and Pike decides to go and try to get a time crystal. Uh, there's some there's some secret Klingon baby drama um, on the ship, but we'll talk about those like character scenes later. The what, the upshot of the plot is that uh, they're like we will never let the humans or anyone just take the time crystals, uh, and then Pike beams down and goes, "But if you don't give us the time crystals, the all life will end." And then they go, "Well, fair enough then," um, and he takes the time crystal, but he must sacrifice greatly to take the time crystal and. 
for plot reasons, taking the time crystal will lock his timeline in. Even though the whole episode is about how you... The whole season's about how timelines can be changed. But don't worry about that because it's fan service time and he uh, witnesses his future and realizes that to take the time crystal to save the, the galaxy from the Reapers or whatever uh, in the form of control, um, he has to accept that he will be in an explosion and get in a wheelchair in uh, nine years. Uh, and he decides, I will be willing to bear that sacrifice. We can't just yet, but now we can, because that's actually the whole plot. That's the whole episode. That's all that happens. I feel like calling Christopher Pike getting horribly burned and then left in a chair where he can't do anything fan service is maybe the most horrifying thing I've ever heard. But I, you're is. not wrong, it is. but I hate it. I hate it. See Christopher Pike in the chair, one, no longer makes sense in a world where Arya blew her whole damn body up and got a robot body. She's got a robot uh, body. Is he just waiting for a new robot? Is it are like they, is he on a wait list for the robot body? Is that why he's in the chair? Did Spock take him to Talos <laughs> 4 as he was about to get a robot body and be fine again? Who knows? With, the I first robot captain in the Starfleet. Yep. These are things that, these are solved issues. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it just makes that stuff seem really weird. Like the Pike stuff's already kind of weird where it's like, oh, he's, uh, he's disabled, but it's better for him to live a lie the rest of his life than be stuck in a wheelchair. Uh, I know it's more involved than in a wheelchair. Like this one explicitly makes it like, he is just like a, like in a vegetative state on like a respirator, right? Like it's much more extreme than the way it looked in the 60s show. Yes. Uh, he's just um, like a head on a black box. Yeah, but also lights. robot bodies. <laughs> robot bodies. Remember that they? Uh, she existed. She was here. Robot Arden bodies. Literally had a cyber brain. <laughs> she did. She had a. She had a cyber brain. There's and uh, and you see the injury where he just kind of gets burned a bit, and it's yeah. like he's fine. I know he's fine. <laughs> yes. Um, Spock which, literally comes back from a much worse injury in like ten years. So fifteen years. What dying. Yes, <laughs> that's that's that he doesn't. He comes back f- with reasons. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing uh, as robot bodies. Yeah, I just don't think the Pike thing makes sense, like structurally, in the way that they've now done this because Discovery exists. But also, Pike making the noble sacrifice to like I'm going to choose the future where I'm going to get blown up and put in a chair uh, is outrageous and bad. Like it's not. It, it depicts this as like, oh, this is him choosing the ultimate sacrifice when, like, the whole point of a Starfleet captain is if you show them a future, they're going to be like, ah, fuck it, I can do something different anyway because I'm a Starfleet captain. Yeah, no, like... I, look, the entire plot the entire plot of this season is them seeing a right. future going, ah, fuck it, we're going to change that. And then in this, he's like, this will lock your future in, and that, for no reason, it's not like... It's not like that they're doing the thing... There is a version of this stuff that could have tied into the ideas of uh faith and everything at the start of the series and they could be actually like no you have to choose between fates blah 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 and it could have been more arch and like leading oh, you mean into- you mean a duel of the fates a duel of the fates if one would imagine <laughs> but if they lent into like the arch like battle of the god stuff uh, the the series could go towards oh, Dragon make- Ball Z Battle of Gods. Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods. But like, for example, there is a bit in DS Nine. I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't watched DS Nine. Uh, where the gods are like, if you if we do this for you, you we're gonna get it. We're gonna take from you later. And it's very like that is how you do that. It like it leans into this being fantastical storytelling where there are powers bigger than you. Um, it leans into like 
making um, Faith an actual part of the plot and not just time logic because we forgot that Faith was a theme. But um, also, that's not a prequel. Also, it's not a prequel. Yes. Like this is this is like if they made like if like Star Trek Eleven was a movie about Picard going back to like the first season and Q going, oh, if you save the ship, your family's gonna die in a fire, and he's gonna be like, <laughs> I know my family's gonna die it's in a fire. Exactly like that. Holy shit, is exactly like that. That's just what they did. It's really bad. Is the thing. Yes. There's no way to defend against it. Uh, it's a terrible choice. Um. And, but it's not in the way that's like, I'm offended, right? Like, I don't actually care. It's Pike. Who cares? Yeah, Pike uh, was always going to end up in the chair, always going to go to Talos 4. That was writ before he even showed up in this. Yeah, like, it's... before before season two of Discovery, Christopher Pike was in literally an episode and a half. Yep. And it's like, if they make control the Borg or whatever, then I'll be mad because then that, like, fucks with things about Star Trek I care about. But this, I don't care. It's just a bad episode of, like, why would you do... What do they think people are going to react to with this? Like, oh, yeah, I saw the thing that I know that happens in an episode that doesn't matter that was only written because I needed to use clip shows of the pilot and they didn't have the actor. Like, it's not core thematic Star Trek stuff. It's Christopher Pike. I'm glad he's here, but they treat him like this deeply important character, and he's not. No. He's just a guy. That's why he's good. Uh, you forget the part where he went to Jim Kirk in a bar and convinced him to join Starfleet. I do forget that part. In fact, I very much like to forget that part. <laughs> <laughs> Forgetting that part is one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> Canonically, not this Christopher Pike, but who cares? I'm going to count it. Is. He was just in a normal wheelchair for a bit, but then he got killed separately. Yes. No <laughs> Talos Four for him. No Talos Four for him. Absolutely none. Talos Four did not happen in that universe. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because then so that plot also links in with um, the secret Klingon baby stuff that we were joking about last time, and all of that gets immediately dropped in a way that's pretty good because uh, they don't play it for drama between Ash and Burnham. Um, yeah, no, they just nothing. have a conversation about it. They just go, "He's like, yeah, I had a secret Klingon baby, and I had to keep it a secret." And she's like, "Well, yeah, of course. It sucks that you had to not tell anyone." And that's the whole argument, and it's it's nothing. And I'm like, "Oh, thank God." Um. So that that stuff was good because uh, I like Ash, I like Burnham, I like them together. Um, but then there's a twist involving uh, what is the name of uh, the timekeeper on Boreth? Uh, Tanavik. Yeah, Tanavik, um, who is uh, Albino Klingon. So you immediately know that uh, he's. Um, He's Ashes and Laurel's son. Uh, but just grown up because time passes differently here, which I actually think is the most horrifying fate. Uh, I like the idea that some Klingons just live in a weird timey-wimey monastery. Um, but also, like, Worf and Kaelas just spent a bunch of time here at some point. Yep. So, like, did they know any of that? I don't know. I, I mean, so uh, that doesn't really fit. Are there, are there still time crystals on Boreth in the 24th century? Who? I don't know. Because the time crystals aren't like, aren't a thing on... Th- that's a new thing for this series, right? Yes, but like this is where Worf goes and the Enterprise D blows up. Like He just hangs out on Boreth for like a year. I know. Because Boreth is an important planet. Like, I've always read Boreth as just an important spiritual planet to the Klingons because it's got all the yes. Kalish stuff. And it's kind of separated from the hierarchy of actual Klingon government. Mm-hmm. Um... And 
that is true here, but if they link it in with time crystals that they guard because time is too dangerous to be fucked with, but also that means apparently you can become an old Klingon just in the course of a couple weeks of television. Because it's still yes. 2257! <laughs> yes. Uh, which means that he's had his entire life in like a bubble. Like He's not been able to experience time in the way... Like, I, I feel like this episode does not realise how fucked up it is putting your baby in a 70-year time bubble. I mean... He's probably seen all sorts of shit. Like, whatever. He seems like he was pretty happy with the way his life turned out. Oh, he's fine with it. But if you have a kid and you're like, he's, we're going to send him send him to borrow. If my you. options were to just be a Klingon person or be the fucking Guardian of Time, I think I would pick Guardian of Time. Guardian of Time? Yeah, all right. I mean, I get it. But then he's like, many have passed, beto- uh, many have passed here uh, and they all leave. And it's been three weeks and since this guy was a baby. So, I don't know who's come here in the last two weeks. Well, I mean, I thought that there was an implication that Borth itself might be weirdly timey-wimey. So that they sent him here, but he's... Ex- but Okay, sure. Or or Tenevik as the Guardian of the Crystals moves back and forth through time. Like, maybe in a back room is, like, two-month-old Tenevik also at this moment. Well, no, because they put the... um, They act like they might be doing that... With the, yeah, I mean, they, they don't really talk about it explicitly enough for it to be clear, right? Well, we, no, need, the, we need the book about Tenovic, is what I'm saying. There's the we shot. need fucking Star Trek books. <laughs> we do need Star Trek books. But there's, I'm, I'm fairly sure there's a shot where he's like, here's the, the stone of the past and the stone of the present. And there's a long panning shot over the crib. And you're like, wait, is the baby also going to be in there? And it's not. It's just like a... Uh... No, there was no shot of the crib. It was Are you sure it's not? Stone, was, that yes. just, was that just a stone? I thought that was yes. the crib that he was meant to be No. Shot okay. Well, then I was like, well, that was just a really weird shot for no reason. <laughs> yes. I mean, look, there's literally a shot where Saru's face dissolves into a rock face that looks like Saru's face. So, But it's not an episode about Saru or has anything to do with him. <laughs> no, it's just they really wanted to make a cool transition. So Klingon, like Boreth just has a mountainside that looks like the face of a Kelpian for no good reason. <laughs> Apparently. But God. when you remove all the, like, ornamentation from Saru's face, all he actually looks like is fucking Groot, so it just looks like a Groot mountain. <laughs> oh, no! It's Stone Groot. Anyway, it was yes. a way to get Kenneth Mitchell back in Klingon makeup. He played Cole and Cole shot. Yeah, you know. we were all frustrated uh, that it is not Javid Iqbal. Yeah. Why would you not get Javidic Ball? And the yeah, actual Javidic answer Ball. is because he's a not a great Klingon actor. <laughs> yeah, like the actual answer is because I'm sure uh, that whoever plays Ash, I forgot his name, sorry, does not Shazad want to get Latif. Shazad Latif does not want to get back in the makeup again. Yes, um, but it is the only like in joke that Discovery has generated itself. It is the yes. warmest fandom thing. I feel like you should jump at the chance to get Javid Iqbal credited on screen again. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, you'd mark out. It's one of the only things that Discovery actually invented that someone would mark out about. And that's kind of damning in and of itself, but I would. I'm sorry. It's a good bet. Um, yeah. So what else is there? Because again, all the Pike stuff's bad. Um, I like the stuff with well, Lorel. I wish Lorel shows up in a fucking D7 looking awesome, which is the thing that matters here. Oh, Lorel rules so hard. Uh, I, I like the D7. I like this new Discovery version of the D7. It's a good look. Yep. It's at least been long enough for them to look at the plans and then build the ship. So it's been at least like six, seven months, probably. 
2257 is the world's longest year. Yes. That's accurate. It's already been at least 10 months. It was like October when the series started. It doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter. But come on. Just make it the next year. No one cares. Um, Yeah, I know. I wish Lorel had more to do other than just kind of argue with Ash and be like, oh, you're in love with Michael Burnham, but that's okay. She barely argues. She shows up and is like, well, this is going to be the end of our plot because I don't care about you anymore. And I'm like, yeah, no, me either, really. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she should go date Cornwell. This is what needs to happen. It does need to happen. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, like the fact that they've obviously forgotten the part where I'm, you know, all the stuff we predicted about um, Ash spying on Second 31, part of uh, Klingon plots, just gone, just absolutely gone. Maybe they never had the idea in the first place, but it's so obvious that I refuse to believe no one said it out loud at the writer's room once, two yeah. writing staffs ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating that Laurel isn't like, doesn't really get to engage with the plot in any actual way. Also, Laurel shows cool. up and goes, we have time crystals, we guard them with our lives because it's a weapon too powerful. When we literally found out two episodes ago that Section 31 built a time cyber suit because the Klingons were building a time cyber suit. Yep. I mean, no I one should... went to Laurel and was like, what about your time cyber suit? And she's like, oh, yes, I've got one of those. <laughs> well, I assume that she, like, that is a thing that happened recently, right? That what? they would... Well, because no one said that the Klingons were still building the cyber suits. That's true. They were building it around the same time that uh, that Doctor Burnham was, so like twenty years ago. Yeah. So I I I guess that like that was a reference to the the fact that they used to that lined up to me. I don't know. In my mind, they've still ha- pr- they probably have that prototype lying around, but they're never going to talk about it. No, they're never going to talk about it. God, this season. Sucks. Unless unless next episode is Laurel going like, I know how to undo this entire season. Get in the Klingon cyber suit. <laughs> Oh, you broke your cyber suit? Well, we've got That's one. why the signals are red, because they're from the Klingon suit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes! I can't believe just, like, sh- shooting the shit about this series, uh, for two seconds we come up with better plots than they've got. Uh, yes. Every time. Yeah, uh, I'm really so ready to talk about books again. <laughs> we really need to talk about books again. This is killing us. Two weeks! Yeah, I know. Because this, this episode isn't even like bad enough to deserve the negativity that we're giving it here. No, I, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but there's nothing here. It's just the emptiest thing. Yep, it's just some television. And you watch it and you're like, well, time passed, and I don't hate the time passed. Uh, there's a really good scene. The, the one thing, the, maybe the best scene in this episode is a scene in the cafeteria with Osekun, Linus, Detmer, and Nilsson all having lunch together, having a good time, and Stamets moping. And it's exactly the thing we asked for in the Arium episode, where you need to show these characters hanging out yep. for us to believe that they hang out. And so they do. It's good. It's a really good scene. Then Jet Reno comes up and gives Stamets uh, a lesbian pep talk. Like, please stop being mopey. You're making all the gays in space look bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, she sure does. Yes. Uh, Linus eats bamboo. It. Linus is actually the hero of oh, Discovery. I love Linus so much. No. They've got this stuff. Why isn't the show just everyone hanging out? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so we'll do the... Um, uh, which Should we do the... Uh, Jet Reno stuff, or should we do the um? Spock yeah, the Jet. Re- I mean, Jet Reno literally gives both Stamets and Colbert pep talk, saying, "Get the fuck over yourselves." I also lost a wife, and I'm fine. And you got yours back, so stop being a baby. Yep. Uh, the content of her talk is essentially uh, being a. I am a tragic space lesbian. Could you stop being such a uh, like um, trying to get the spider trace gay 
it's tra- the, the tragic space gays to get over themselves. <laughs> yes, your your tragedy ended. Stop it. <laughs> yep. Uh, which is very funny because Colbert literally is just blindsided in the middle of work by this. Uh, wasn't even moping, just trying to fix people. And she comes in to lecture him because his ex is moping too much for it's, her. It's very funny because the Culber scene's actually like on the face of it, very unfair. Like Culber hasn't done anything here other than die. No, but it is, it is funny how much he is just like totally blind. So he's like, excuse me, I'm trying to fix your finger. Uh, and she's like, look. I am a tragic space lesbian, but I don't have any screen time. And you do, so can you just get over yourselves for the love of God? I'm sick of it. It's infecting yes. everyone's time. We're trying to have a good time in our one dinner scene. <laughs> you know, uh, put her on the ship regularly next season. That's my take. Uh, I mean, they're going to fucking need it because Pike's not going to be here. Well, yeah, I know. Spock's Captain Saru. I feel like Captain Saru is back on the table this episode. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Like, I, I don't care, but it's fine. Yep. Hopefully he, like, shoots things out of uh, his neck to stop people talking shit on the bridge. Oh, yeah, you were right, Captain. The negotiations were short because you shot them with your head teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to remember that he's lost his, like, uh, threat gang there, but no one's ever going to remember the part where he has the automatic, like, a th- predator head teeth. <laughs> that's because it's the stupidest thing that's ever happened in a show full of really stupid things. <laughs> yes! Uh, really, I think about the episode a lot and how the like grossness of it wouldn't even phase me now because I don't care. It came just at the point where I still cared to be annoyed by that episode. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so the Spock and Burnham stuff—they yeah. go on. They're this... they're just full on siblings, like grumping at each other now, which is good. I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, but the thematic like debate that they're having is kind of very weak because it's basically her going, we have to use logic. We cannot presume that the the, uh, the signals will give us an answer. We have to figure out an answer because we have to be proactive. And Spock's response is, yes, but this is a television show. And I think we should just let the plot happen. <laughs> yes, he's, he's not wrong. Spock is, continues to be right. Because because she's like, why, Spock, do you think we should just investigate the signals? Why do you think that will like lead us to the answer when we have to investigate all forms of, you know, do things like in the real world? And Spock is actually like, well, yeah, but the signals have worked so far, and they kind of all point to you, and I think that this will all tie together. I think we just have to let this happen at this point. <laughs> I think there's two more show. episodes this season, and we should see what happens, sister. <laughs> And then, like, the proof of it is, because the whole ob- very, very obvious trap happens. Yes. Uh, the fact they didn't see the trap coming is hilarious, because it's the world's most obvious trap. Uh, trap occurs, and then they it's like control. It's like three steps of them should have realized they are going through a trap. When it's Spock and Burnham going out to investigate a Section 31 ship by themselves, that's obviously a trap. When it's dead in space and all the crew have been evacuated, that's a triple trap. <laughs> When they find the one guy who's still alive and it happens to be someone that Burnham knows, just scream that it's a trap and warp out of there, please. Yep. Uh, they do not. They do not. Uh, but they do. There's a the moment where um, she realizes that he's controlled. But again, not through anything resembling deduction, because he gives himself away by going, God, it's good to be controlled. <laughs> By basically yes. going, uh, control's so good, and I think that we should just do the good thing. Because they're having a conversation about why he's joined Section 31, and he basically starts eventually just giving control's motivation about how the universe needs to be balanced and whatever. And Yeah, and we like, gotta believe in the threat assessment. Um, and, she, and then Bernard's like, wait, this might be a trap! <laughs> 
Thank you, Burnham. You're supposed to be the smart one. Um, and so then, then they defeat Control and Spock's like, well, now this proves that if Control is scared of you enough to drag you to a trap, then you must be leading us to the solution because it's, you are the only thing that it cannot control. Like, you are the thing it is scared of because you can stop this in the next episode of television. And I'm like, we already knew all this. This episode was pointless. The thing we learned was we should let the plot happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's gonna happen. Like the long, like all I gotta do is sit here and watch it. I guess all you're telling me to do is watch it and not think about it, which is the worst thing Star Trek could ask of a viewer. It's that's literally what the themes are of the episode. It's don't don't ask questions about like proactively engaging in what things could mean. Just let the plot happen. It'll sort itself out. Yep. And Spock's right when he says that. Yep. Yeah. There's another funny just, bit. What if we just not cover season three in this podcast? It's you know. <laughs> It's very likely, just because I don't, I do not want to take this time off books again. If it had been like last season where it was good, we wouldn't have this problem. No, we would not. But alas, yeah. Uh, and um, so there's there's one line that's very funny in the scene uh, where so they find Cameron, um, and he's alive, and you're like, wait, that's him, the guy who flew into space, and then they give you a flashback and showing him flying in space. Uh, no, and, they give you. They explicitly give you a flashback of them on the bridge with Burnham's terrible pilot hair. Oh right, remember? Oh god, that's such bad hair. Her Vulcan hair is so bad. Uh, and then there's a line where she's like, "Detma said you survived, but I didn't know you went to Second Thirty One." Which means that after she like pointedly murdered his uh, mirror universe counterpart, uh, she went back to Detma and God, I've killed this guy twice. And Detma went. He's alive. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which is like they o- then they only have that line to explain why her reaction to him being alive isn't well. You're obviously a trap. Um, God, it's dumb. It's dumb. Uh, do we have any more actual reactions to this episode? No, no, I don't have anything. I, I I'm to- just, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just tired of discovery. Yeah, sorry the energy of this is so down, but it's just we really just feel very disappointed in the show. Uh, but we've got two weeks and then we're gonna read um read the book that we've uh we've Yeah, I don't even I don't even dislike watching it. It's just when I when I go to think about it, I'm like, there's nothing to hold on to here. And what there is is like it flies in the face of the ideas of thinking about Star Trek. Like not like it's not like, oh, this corrupts the very themes of Star Trek. Like, no, I don't give a shit about that really. Uh it just it's just a show that doesn't reward curiosity. In a way that, like, I think is antithetical to watching sci-fi in general, and Trek in specifically. Yeah, it's not like it's doing things that, uh, like, completely shit on what Star Trek is about thematically. It just is inert and, uh, you know, the thing you said, I'm agreeing with you. I'm trying to reword it, but I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I know. Um we would get more out of watching Clone Wars than watching this in terms of talking about Star Trek themes. Did you have this conversation in the DMs as well? No. Oh, okay, so just so that's just a coincidence that you're talking... Okay. I've yes, already had I a, just... I've had a conversation with someone saying that Clone Wars is about a show of discovery. It is. It is. It just is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, imagine if this show had an episode that was just Godzilla. Never. Yeah. Uh, Clone Wars is both fun, uh, accessible to everyone, and is a better sci-fi show than this Star Trek season ever could be. And it's 22 minutes long. Yes, and it's 22 minutes long. 
Uh, man, I should go back to Clone Wars. Yeah, same. I don't have time, but... I also don't have time. 22 minutes, don't have them. Beach House Clone Wars. Oh, please, someone. We'll do it, we'll do it. If someone wants us to watch Clone Wars, we'll do it. But it would take a long time with how, you know. Anyway, uh, this episode's clearly done. Yeah, we'll be back next week for... Uh, it's Such Sweet Sorrow, I think is the name of the episode. Yes, it is called Such Sweet Sorrow. Oh, right, yes. the episode ends with them self-destructing the Enterprise. Well, going, we should do that. They don't actually do that. Yeah. I mean, they give the order to do uh, not yes. the Enterprise because we're Discovery. still we're still arguing over the section of the order wants the sphere data. Like, I, fucking the most worthless MacGuffin in the world. the uh, The fact that this is like all of the plotting in this season has been one MacGuffin to the next. It's hell. It doesn't have to be how plots work. Yeah, Enterprise is gonna be their next season, next episode. So that's yeah, good. I'm, I haven't seen that because I didn't watch the preview. But I, I will. If anyone has a screenshot of what the Enterprise bridge looks like, just send that to me. Uh, I'm pretty sure someone put it in our Discord. So good. Okay, because I because I don't I don't want to know the preview, but I I know that that shot's there, and I'm fine. It is. That. There's just a picture in our Discord of the Enterprise bridge. It's not even spoiler tag because you don't have to spoiler tag stuff in. Discord. Oh, there it is. That's yes. just the Enterprise. Yes. If this, if I had seen this at the beginning of the season, I'd feel something. <laughs> I'm still like hell yeah, the Enterprise is here. So hell yeah, the Enterprise is here. Look at that. They've got the red thing. I think I think, I think it's a little too black. I think I would have lightened up the gray. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it is just—it's—it's it's it's red. Just, yeah. It's a—it's a discovery-style bridge, but it's red. That's all I really needed. Yeah, number one's there. Number one, I was only in that one scene. God, everyone's in the good. She uniform. was she was putting habanero sauce on her fries. Uh, she's cool. Yep. Well, let's hope it ends with at least something more resembling last week than this week, because last week was well, fun. Look, the season's supposed to end with something shocking. Uh, I can't imagine what it is, given that they've closed every possible loop it's the here. Bog. It's definitely the bog. If it's the Borg, I'm not. I'm just gonna not watch season three. I'm just gonna be so pissed. I can't. I I didn't. I was convinced it wasn't. And then at the preview of this episode, uh, they the line they used of control, uh, like taking over Leland, was "struggle is useless," which is if, just if 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 Leland is the Urborg, and that's how this season ends, we will not be covering season three it's for this show. I refuse. Done. Star Trek's done. <laughs> Like, we'll watch it, and we'll maybe talk about it, like, in abstract, but we are not doing week to week. I fucking refuse. Um, let's hope that's not true, then. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, for oh. us moaning about this for 30 minutes. Uh, I, w- I didn't even feel down on the episode until it nope. came time to, like, think about it. And then I'm like, oh, there's nothing. I hate this. I'd much rather a bad episode I can think about. Yep. Yep. Give us the head teeth any Give fucking us the head day. Teeth. Give us the head teeth. Goodbye. <laughs> That's why I, I want to be head teeth in the face so I never have to think about this again. <laughs> uh, uh, will we see you out there? Is that a thing that we will do or not? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Next time <laughs> we will see you out there. 